Welcome to Voices, a podcast from the Institute for Human Rights and Business. Here, we're seeking to elevate the range of perspectives on the role of business in the world and in people's everyday lives. Hello, everyone. I'm your host today, Stephanie Bratnick, and welcome to the Voices podcast through the Institute for Human Rights and Business. My guest today is Saul Diaz-Ortiz, who is speaking to us from Guatemala. He's the Regional Director for Latin America at Swiss Contact. He is an economist with a master's in project management in international cooperation and has more than 15 years of senior and executive experience in international development organizations. We will be talking today about what happens when migrants return to their country of origin, either due to the expiration of temporary work visas or deportation, and the specific reintegration challenges they face. The Swiss contact project Nuevas Oportunidades, based in Guatemala and El Salvador, specifically focuses on helping returnees reestablish themselves. Reuters reported in April this year that roughly 85,000 of the 172,000 migrants at the southern U.S. border were from Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. And the IOM states that from January to August of this year, 2021, over 70,000 were deported from Mexico and the U.S. back to Central America. Add on to those figures the thousands of workers who enter the U.S. on seasonal worker visas and then return home It is clear there are a huge number of migrants who are returning to Central America under a variety of circumstances. While there is no system currently in place to monitor what happens to migrants when they return, we do know that returnees are particularly at risk of poverty, violence, and victimization. So with this in mind, Saul, can you tell me a bit more about why this project was started at this particular time and why Guatemala and El Salvador specifically? Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, well, uh, we started to think about this project in 2015, uh, when this great migration wave uh, of, on, of unaccompanied children to the U.S. was returning to not only El Salvador and Guatemala, but also Honduras, I mean, the whole Northern Triangle. So if you see some statistics, uh, the, uh, also you, you can see a huge increase of, of, of overall returnees uh, between 2010 and 2015, after the great worldwide economic crisis of 2008 and 2009. So this was uh, a momentum, right, when everyone was thinking uh, about the phenomena of uh, returning migration, even when this phenomena, uh, it's been going on since decades now. But it was at this time that everyone was putting attention. So we... We, was, we were thinking about this project, and this project started actually in 2016 in El Salvador due to the high rate of migration, I mean, in comparison to the, to the neighboring countries in terms of their population, because if you see the statistics, you have 3 million of Salvadorians living in the U.S., uh, and we are, and, and, and El Salvador has a population of 6.5 million in in El Salvador. So you have one third of the Salvadorian population in the US. And also one million of those three millions are irregular migrants. So it's the the greatest proportion uh, of irregular migrants uh, uh, in comparison to the other two countries of the Northern Triangle. 
Uh, so that's why we decided to go for El Salvador at the first step. Uh, as for 2018, the project started actions also in Guatemala uh, and also aiming to be a regional project in the Northern Triangle. So for now, we have El Salvador and Guatemala, but we also have plans to go into Honduras because we think as Swiss contact that this is a regional phenomenon and we should aim it uh, to have or to look for regional solutions also. Uh, the main objective of this program is to capitalize migration, return migration, in terms of labor competences, in, ter in terms of life experience, and this as uh, a mean to increase competitiveness of the local economies. Uh, so we do it through the validation of their work experience, through helping returnees to find a job, to create an own business. So they have a, a, an income, but they also are contributing to the increases of local competitiveness in some of the industries that we have been working with. And knowing um, how complex this issue can be and the amount of migrants, as you just mentioned, um, can you talk about what the greatest needs of returning migrants are and also the biggest challenges facing them as they try and reintegrate? Yeah, I, I think I can summarize this uh, with three big, big challenges. Although, for, of course, as you mentioned, this is very complex and interconnected, but maybe three big elements that we identified uh, at the beginning of the project. First of all, is the lack of, uh, of empiric experience validation systems in our countries, because we have great informal economies in El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. Uh, but we don't, and so the people are working in the informal sector, they are not having formal training or education, so no diplomas, etc. But nevertheless, we don't have these validation systems. So this is the same for returnees because they are working a lot in some sort of informal economy in the US. Then when they can come back, they don't have any validation. They don't have any uh, letter of recommendation or diplomas, etc. So this is not allowing returning migrants to implement their knowledge into the uh, economy of, the, of their country of origin. So that's one. The other one uh, is also that there is insufficient processes of reintegration of returning migrants in terms of psychosocial support, labor market insertion, entrepreneurship promotion. I mean, there, there are no system or insufficient system of processes uh, really established in the public sector or the private sector uh, to do this. So we only have the civil society and international NGOs processes like us uh, that we are trying to insert it in the, into the public sector, but this was insufficient and it still is, but it was less five years ago. So this is all the three, uh, the second element. And, and, and number three, I think there was and there still is a heavy stigma and discrimination towards returning migrants. They are often uh, profile as criminals and or not successful persons because uh, you have this, this idea and, and this is origin, uh, has its origins uh, at, uh, uh, in the early 90s when the first waves of deportation were made from the US, mainly from these gangs of LA, right? So then you have the so-called uh, birth 
day or birth year of the Maras, MS, etc. So the people stuck with that idea. So for them in, in Central America, every person that is deported is a gang member. And this is so far from the truth because uh, in the last, I think I had the last statistic for 2019, 95% of the deported people in El Salvador was deported just by their lack of uh, migration documents, not by making or committing any crime or heavy crime in the US. So this is not true, but the stigma is there. And also at the community, if you are not seen like as a criminal because they know you, you are seen as an unsuccessful person because your goal was to uh, go to American dream in the US and then you came back with nothing in the, uh, some, some sort. So this is, this is a very huge cultural issue. So I, I want to just to make a, a very short example of, of, of one person that, we, that I know uh, that he has suffered these three big elements. So uh, Rafael Salazar, uh, he, he was, he, he's a Salvadorian who was his series, uh, 30 years old, decided to migrate to the US after not finding any opportunity uh, job in El Salvador. So around 2005, 2006, Rafael went out to, to the US. After 13 years in the, in the US, so more than a decade, as an irregular migrant, Rafael was deported. But he was not, not, not empty-handed in, in, in the sort of way that he, was, he has a lot of experience, 10 years of job experience in the construction sector in LA, in Washington, and in other places in the US. But when he came back, he didn't have any diploma letter for recommendation or whatever. And he was over 40 years old. So he was struggling to find a job in, in the local market in El Salvador. So after going into Nuevas Oportunidades, our program, so he certified uh, his competencies in two occupations in the construction, in the construction uh, sector. So it was drywall installation and ceramic tile installation. So we, we helped, the, helped him to find a job in the construction industry in El Salvador through our partnership with the local construction chamber. And then he decided to start his own business. So he also decided to uh, participate into our incubation process. He won a seed capital. And now he has now two years to have his own business. He's married with a Salvadorian woman uh, and he's employing actual other deported people. So this is, this is actually the example that we are trying to reach because these people has a lot of experience, lots of entrepreneurial spirit, and they just want or need that these systems are working on, right? As a, as a public service. And also the enterprises in the local industry is benefiting from it. Yeah, and I think also, um, thank you for sharing that story with us. Um, it really, I think, speaks to uh, the issues that migrants come back into the country with returning and what they can offer their country of origin. Um, and I'm, I am uh, impressed by how comprehensive your approach is to, uh, to the services provided. It, it sounds like it is a step above 
uh, job training and introduction and interviews to potential employers. Um, can you talk to me more about the different dimensions of support that you provide? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, it has to be. It has to be comprehensive because uh, as migration itself, reintegration of returning migrants is a complex and multi-factor issue. So if you want to achieve a sustainable reintegration uh, into the origin, uh, country of origin, you have to, you need to have a, com a comprehensive model uh, to mainly um, uh, undertake these three dimensions that we have. So one is the personal level. You have to work, you are working with human beings. You are working with people. So you have to bear in mind that deportation it is a traumatic event. So for example, Rafael. Rafael was 13 years in the US. He has a life over there, a house, friends, even uh, a, a partner, whatever. And then all of a sudden, he's deported to a country that 13 years ago didn't have any opportunities when he was uh, on the, in his 30s. Uh, and now it's even worse, right? Uh, so you have to work with at, at a personal level. As a, as the, it's, it, it, this is a human-centered approach, right? So you have to bear in mind the, the psychosocial needs, psychological needs, human needs, etc. And also not as a, not only as a person, but also as a family, right? Because after thirteen years, he. He is coming back, or these people is coming back to the family, to their hometown. So, so you have to work with, with them, with the people, with us, human uh, needs. So that's one, personal level. The other one is the community, because they are coming back to their hometown, so to, the, to their community of origin. And as I mentioned before, sometimes the community is not so understanding of the situation and they are seeing him or her as an unsuccessful person because for 30 years Rafael was fulfilling the American dream. He was sending remittances a lot to the family, to the community and now he's coming back uh, some sort with a label of a loser which is very very heavy right so we also we need also to work in the community, raising awareness that Rafael is a successful person and now he's a better person than he was before and he can contribute to the local economy with her abilities, capabilities, knowledge. He now stopped English or whatever. So this is very important at a personal level, also a community. And the third one, and this is perhaps the most difficult one, is the institutional dimension. Because for, for, in order to be sustainable, we have to bear in mind that these services can only be provided by institutions like Swiss Content on a temporary basis. We need to include this provision of services into the public system because this is a public good, a public service. Uh, and, and, and we gain a lot about it, uh, reintegrating these people as a local economy, I mean, for El Salvador, for Guatemala, for Honduras, the competitiveness is increasing, etc. So we also work with the institutions 
in the private sector, in the public sector, in the civil society, and also academia, in order for them to have the institutional strength and capability to provide these services, to provide psychosocial support, to provide uh, labor market insertion, uh, uh, to provide uh, validation of, of competences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the three levels. Uh, and as you, as you see, they are interconnected. I mean, we are not working in a, in a consecutive way. It is not first personal, then community, then institutional. It's like a complex uh, system in the three dimensions. And how does someone like Rafael uh, go about finding Nuevas Oportunidades? Or, or should I say, how do you find returnees who may be in need of services? That's a great question because we ask ourselves the second question you did to me. How do we find the returnees? And we fail, you know? <laughs> we fail at the beginning. We didn't find it. Because for us, it was, I mean, at the beginning, five years ago, it was, we were thinking it should be easy to find them. It's tens of thousands of them. I mean, it's, it's easy. It was very difficult. It's very complicated. And now we know why. Uh, it is, of course, you cannot go into the streets and ask people, are you a returnee? Are you a deported? Because they will say no, because they are afraid and ashamed to accept it sometimes. So uh, we fail uh, in trying to find them. Also, we, of course, we had the, the partnership with the, with the Migration Institute uh, in El Salvador and Guatemala. So when, they, when these people are landing in the planes, we make a survey, but then they go back to their towns, to their hometowns, and uh, we cannot, it is very difficult to reconnect with them. So we did, uh, we did it backwards. So we, we make us find a vote for them. So we use social, social network, Facebook, uh, Twitter, or whatever. Uh, we find out that 90% of the returnees in Central America has a fa Facebook account. So we did a, this really, really intensive campaign on Facebook. So for example, Rafael find us through Facebook, through, uh, because her, his girlfriend looked, uh, watched an, an ad in Facebook from Nuevas Oportunidades. And she told him, you know, Rafael, you have the Swiss Conta has this program, please try it. And he did, and that's it. So it was, it is, it sounds simple, but we <laughs> took a long way to find it because for us, it was maybe easy. We, we decided to, 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 to make it like social networks. We should find it, but then we change. So now that was at the beginning. Now it's more, it's more I mean, uh, uh, complex or, 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 or it is more fancy the way we, we identify the returnees. So we, we do it through our local partners. So we have the Ministry of Labor, or we have the National Construction Chamber, or the National Vocational Training Institute having these campaigns through their social networks or through their local offices in the regions. So now it's more easy. And of course, after five years, also returnees that have been involved with the program are referring to us new returnees. So yeah. That, that's the story of, of it. 
And um, one of the points your program focuses on, and something that I've heard you mention a couple of times throughout our discussion, is around the discrimination of returnees, the common held belief that they are criminals. How have you worked on the ground to change this belief within the communities and build a culture of understanding and acceptance for returning migrants? We we have done several things. For example, for us, information is power. So, uh, of course, we understand the stigma. Or, or we understand what where does it come from, right? From history, as I told you before. Uh, so, for us, sharing information provides also the tools for the people to make these decision, the, the decisions, right? To not discriminate. So, we have this in 2019, we had this national campaign in radio, television, and internet about disseminating information, disseminating the statistic that I shared with you about the criminal uh, record of the returnees. So it's 95% non-criminal record. That's one. But also sharing life experiences and life cases like the one for, of Rafael. We shared like 10 uh, life experiences through interviews, videos, through radio, through social uh, media, whatever. And we reach, I think, uh, 500,000 people uh, was uh, my, our last estimation. And it was very, very good. But, but that's one, that's massive, right? Massive communication. And then uh, it's, it's also about the private sector. We try a lot with the, to, to raise awareness in the private sector. So we shared experiences through, we call it like uh, private sector, no, it's private business breakfasts. So we gather up uh, a bunch of uh, entrepreneurs in the construction sector, in the tourism industry, hospitality, and we share the experience of other business person that already hired returnees. So it's about the experience of the peer, peer-to-peer -peer experience, right? So these people was sharing their experience that before hiring someone like Rafael, they were doubting, they were not trusting it, trusting in him. But then afterwards, they realized that these people is honest, hard worker, and they have a lot of knowledge. So now they are they are asking for more people like like this. Uh, so this is the, the third element. And, the, and the, the, the second element. And the third element was at the community level. At a community level, we are trying to involve non-migrants with migrant returns for two reasons. For one is to, for the returnee to share uh, their experience. Migration experience is not that easy. You, uh, I mean, it, it's always seen that the one that the person that are in the U.S. are living a pleasure life with a lot of money, with a lot of stuff like cars and nice clothes or whatever. But it is actually a very tough life for irregular migrants. They, don't, they are not living uh, in pleasure. They are working 14 hours, 16 hours a day, every day. They are living in, in tiny apartments with other people. It's very, it's very, very hard. So sharing this experience helps uh, to the community of non-migrants to understand the struggle and the hard work that these people have been 
implementing all of these years. And also understanding the, the new environment in the community, because after 13 years, a person is like a stranger in the community. Everything has changed, people have grown, whatever. So this exchange of experience for the non-migrants and the migrants has also been very instrumental to decrease the discrimination in the community. The program has had tremendous uh, impact and success rate with 79% of returnees who are certified through your program successfully integrated into the labor market. I imagine that you needed strong partnerships in order to make this happen. And you've talked a little bit about how you worked around culture shift with the private sector. I'm wondering if you can talk more about building those partnerships with businesses as well as with government. Yes, of course. I mean, in Swiss Contact, we applied in every project that we implement uh, this approach called inclusive, inclusive system development. So this requires to work within an institutional ecosystem, uh, creating or improving services towards a vulnerable population, in this case, uh, returning migrants, making a, a system like the labor market system more, a more inclusive one. So, in those opportunities, we work in a comprehensive public-private civil society and academia partnership on which all stakeholders have a clear role and responsibility on a provision, uh, on a service provision basis. So, for example, we decided to work in two main industries in El Salvador and Guatemala. So, it's construction industry and the hospitality and restaurant industry. So, we partnered up since the beginning with the national chambers of each sector and also with private business uh, of each industry. So that's one. And at the public level, as I was mentioned before, it was very important, or it is very important to have this services provision uh, from the perspective of a public good, a public service. So we have been working with the national uh, TVET uh, institution, the National Training, Vocational Training Institute, also with the Ministry of Economy, Ministry of Labor, uh, the Migration Institute in both countries, uh, the Ministry of Foreign Relationship, who is, which is overseeing the, the reintegration of uh, returning migrants, but also with civil society in both countries. And I think, I mean, in Guatemala and El Salvador, in both countries, uh, we have this Returnees Association. They have this civil society organization and they are very important because they have exactly, the, they have very clear the needs of the returnees. So our services are designed also with a vision and, uh, of the needs from the returnees, from the Returnees Association. And also academia. We have worked with local universities uh, to also improve services, specifically the entrepreneurship, the business incubation uh, service through local universities. So in both countries, we have worked a lot with academia. And in this sense, we, you are also creating awareness at an institutional level because you are increasing their, their capabilities, increasing their abilities as an institution and their knowledge, but also you are raising awareness on how to treat these people 
uh, and they are becoming like also recruiters of returning migrants. So this is this is how we do it. Of course, we cannot do it by ourselves. Since the beginning, we decided to have a temporary role. So after five years, we have we are more like a facilitator than an implementer. We are facilitating the services, but the actual provision is being done by local institutions. So thank you so much for sharing all of this and coming and speaking with us about Nueve's Oportunidades today. Thank you, Stephen. You can find more information on the Nueve's Oportunidades project on the Swiss Contact website. And there is also a link to the project webpage on the IHRV website. There, you can also find a link to a recent newspaper article on the returning migrant Rafael and his success story. If you have enjoyed this IHRB Voices podcast, you may wish to subscribe to our feed, or you can sign up for our newsletter to receive all the latest news from the Institute and the world of business and human rights. Thank you very much for listening.